And you guys can be seated. Welcome. Good to see you here. Welcome to everybody again online. Got a special guest with me today. This is Brad Harvey. Not only is he a missionary that we support in Africa and does work in translating of scriptures into another language so people can have the word of God in their native tongue, but Brad and I go all the way back to fifth grade in school, and as teenagers we went to church together. So uh, very close friends, and just great to have him back with us again before he heads back to Africa here in a, in a couple months or so. Um, we're back in 2 Corinthians 12, and we've been seeing in these last four chapters how Paul is getting really salty about all the ridiculousness going on in the church there in Corinth, and he, he's having to kind of get sarcastic and mocking to, to deal with all the nonsense going on. So there's a lot of questions in this passage today, and I think it's important that you hear this because we all go through times when we feel weak. Right? And we need God's strength to deal with those times of weakness. And I know this very personally in the past few weeks because, as you know, many of you were praying for my son who's uh, been in the hospital. You know, he had Crohn's disease. He had this operation to remove 19 inches of his bowel, you know, 36 staples uh, in his midsection. And I'm working on this message while I'm sitting in the hospital with him and seeing him go through all the pain, just seeing his eyes popping out and his groaning and he, he just said, I can't take all this pain. You know, as a dad, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to take this pain for him, right? I wish I could suffer in his place and, and I can't do that for him. Um, now the good news is he's great. Uh, he got married Saturday. The wedding went off wonderful. The staples came out this week. So again, thanks for all your prayers for him. And it just makes you appreciate when you do have good health. And some of you know, you know, when you're going through bad physical times, you really appreciate medical workers, right, and the way that they help relieve so much of your pain. And so, so grateful to not have to go through it yourself. And it's so tough seeing others go through it. So today we want to talk about the sufficiency of God's grace to deal with those times of pain and adversity and weakness. So our big idea right up front is to rely on the Lord's strength when you're weak. All right, so Brad's going to be reading the scriptures for us. So again, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, let's start in verse 1. Yeah, Paul says, I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. So why does Paul say he must go on boasting? Yeah, well, uh, we've been talking about how Paul doesn't want to do this. He feels forced into doing it. He has to defend his credentials and his authority as an apostle because there's these false teachers in the church that are running him down and undermining him. And so he has to take off the gloves and punch back because of what's at stake. You know, they, they need to listen to him instead of these false teachers. And so he says, look, uh, you know me. I've been among you. I've, got, I've had all these visions and revelations from the Lord. The Lord speaks through me, not these false teachers. And you can read through the book of Acts, and Paul had so many different visions that gave him that kind of authority. And he could boast about that, but he doesn't. Except now, for in this case, he has to point out 
You know, I'm, I'm the real deal. I'm legit. So let's go on. Let's do verses two through four. Yeah, he says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which he may not utter. So who is this man in Christ? Is it Paul himself? Yeah, I think that's the whole context here. You know, it wouldn't make any sense if he's saying, hey guys, I know this other anonymous guy who went to the third heaven. That would, wouldn't make any sense. So he's saying, you need to listen to me because that's me. I'm this guy that went to the third heaven. Uh, he's going to talk later in verse, uh, I think, 7 about his, the great revelations, visions that he's had from the yeah. Lord. Why does he talk about himself in the third person? That's kind of strange, <laughs> yeah. though. Uh, why didn't he just say, me, I, I did this? Well, again, I think he's still, he's boasting, but he's trying to have some humility in the midst of that boasting. And we really don't know what circumstance took place 14 years ago, but he says, I was caught up. And we're used to hearing that term caught up when we think about the Lord's return, right? We're going to be caught up in the air to meet him. It's the same word here. And it, it was so real to Paul that he didn't know if it happened physically or it was just a vision, but it certainly was more than a dream. Um, I, I would love to know what he saw, right, what he heard, but he says, I can't tell you. <laughs> it's pretty tantalizing, like, sorry, can't tell you, but maybe because it was just beyond being able to put, be put in human language or it, simply because God said, it, I'm not, I'm not going to let you tell anybody yet. Uh, maybe it's just not the right time. There were other prophets like that, you know, Daniel and, uh, and others. Uh, John in Revelation says, I, I saw these things, but I can't tell you about it right now. Or maybe God's just giving him these kinds of visions for his own personal strengthening, right? Like Stephen, when he had a vision of the Lord as he's about to be killed for his faith. Maybe that's what we're dealing with here. So um, today, should we expect or uh, ask God to give us visions and dreams too? <laughs> Well, he's not going to give you revelations and visions like he did the apostles and the prophets, right? This authoritative word from the Lord. Um, I think anytime somebody says, well, God showed me something, you, be, you should be pretty skeptical about that because that's all very subjective, right? The word of God we have, which, which are the, the, the revelations of the Lord, that's our objective source of authority, right? But when you're talking about, well, the Lord showed me in a dream, you don't really know if that was the Lord or not, right? Your, your mind does all kinds of things, works out things in, in dreams, and, you know, you don't know. It's, it's unlikely that your dream was something from the Lord because it's probably strange and foggy and not clear. And when God speaks to us, it's very clear. It's unmistakable. Um, but God could use a dream. Just understand it's not authoritative. And um, he, the way he speaks to us really is through his word and, and specifically through his son. So beware of anybody claiming to speak on behalf of the Lord, especially if it disagrees or contradicts the word of God. But, you know, you, you're, you've been in Africa for many decades, really. And I always hear from the mission field about cultures where they don't have the word of God. They're not allowed to have a Bible. They, they, nobody can preach to them about Jesus, but they want to know the Lord and they have a, a dream about Jesus coming to them. Have you encountered that at all? Well, I have a good story. Some missionaries were going from village to village and they were just doing a survey to see what language is spoken here. If you speak the trade language, you don't need a Bible in the mother tongue. So they walk into this village and one of the elders walks out and says, 
we've been, we just stopped fasting for 40 days. We've been praying to God to send us a messenger to give us his word. Um, are you that messenger? And he goes, well, yes, uh, we're here to tell you about God. And then he went to tell them about Jesus, not the God that they've been worshiping. Uh, so it does happen, it can happen. But at the same time, I've also been with the group that go from, goes from village to village, and we say, we would like to start a Bible translation in your project, in your, um, in your language. And somebody says, I just had a dream last week that I was gonna get a job as a Bible translator. So that kind of dream, we're a little bit skeptical yeah. of that. Yeah, right. should be, that's right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. so what is this, uh, is this the third heaven, right? Is this a... Uh, oh, right, yeah. Questions like, what is the third heaven? And I don't think he's talking about like there's levels in heaven, right? Like if you're really good, you get to the top level and you get to look down on everybody else. But it's the idea that here we have the first heaven, which is the sky, second heaven, which is the um, outer space, right? In fact, you guys saw this week, like William Shatner went into outer space, right, Captain Kirk? And he had this like profound experience of very moving and emotional, like I can't believe I got to see this and experience this. But that's nothing compared to the third heaven, which is that realm, that plane beyond the physical the, where the presence of God is. And we don't want to miss going to the third heaven. I mean, who knows, some here in the future may go to the second heaven, but you definitely want to make sure you go to the third heaven. So I, I think we're talking, like in heaven there are different levels of reward, but they're not different strata. Now in hell, there's speculation about different levels of hell, right, way back, in the Middle Ages, you had Dante's Inferno and the concentric circles that were a fictionalized view of hell that, you know, the further in you got, the worse the punishments were. And Scripture doesn't teach that specifically, but there may be degrees of punishment. It's hard to believe that you're like, your next door neighbor who's not a Christian, but they're a pretty decent person, is going to suffer the same experience of hell that like Hitler is, right? So in heaven, I don't think we're going to have these different, you know, uh, gradations of heaven, but there will be different rewards. So let's go on. Let's do verses uh, five and six. So on behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So isn't he saying, I'm not boasting, but I'm boasting? Yeah, yeah. We've, we've been talking about like the humble brag. Like, I don't want to boast, but I got to boast in this circumstance because, again, of what is at stake. I, I have to back up my authority here. Now, he could, he could have gone around boasting if he wanted to, and it wouldn't have been ridiculous for him to do it because it was true, unlike all the false teachers who were boasting, and it was, it was fake, it was false. So he says, look, the, really the only thing I'm going to boast about is my weakness because I want God to get all the credit and the glory for this. So, uh, verse seven. Yeah, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. So for centuries, scholars have wanted to know the answer to this question. They've debated about it. They've written books about it. And we are going to get the answer right here, right now, today, on this stage, Brett, what is the thorn in Paul's flesh? I will give you the definitive answer. I don't know. That, that's, that the best, the that's the best you can no, do. That's, nobody knows what it is. And I'm glad, right? It's kind of nice that we don't know specifically what his thorn in the flesh is. 
so that we can all relate to it no matter what. It, we don't know if it was something temporary that he was suffering. We don't know if this was a permanent condition. Some people like to joke that it must have been his wife, <laughs> thorn in the flesh. But Paul wasn't married, so we know it wasn't that. Don't go there. Uh, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's hard to say. It could be something physical, right? You've heard of some things that Paul, they speculate Paul was uh, maybe bad eyesight because he talked about writing his letters with these big, you know, strokes. What, what else have you heard? He was short, maybe. Short? <laughs> I, had not, <laughs> I had not heard it. I heard he, he was kind of made well short because he was slumped over, maybe yeah. even like a hunchback. Um, a lot of speculation. Yeah, malaria, which mm-hmm. you've had, yeah. right? Um, many times. Uh, okay, so it, it could have been something physical, but he specifically calls it a messenger of Satan. So it could have been something spiritual that we're just not aware of. Um, have, you, have you had anything like that? You, you would call a thorn in the flesh? One time in our ministry, we had a partner organization, and they started having secret meetings and telling the translators, don't listen to Brad, uh, we're actually in charge of the project, projects, and they were actually there as our guests legally under our name, and so I confronted them about it, and then we got several new missionaries in our organization, and they believed the other guy, and they said, oh, Brad, you need to back off, and this had to go, about three years went up to the international level, and in the end, people came to me and said, we thought you were exaggerating, but really, it was worse than what you said. We couldn't believe other Christians would act this way. Well, in the meantime, I was under a lot of stress, you know, just being defamed, and I was trying to give these people the opportunity to minister the way they wanted to because they were new, and this other team wanted to shut them down, and so I'm trying to uphold the reputation of the mission, but they didn't have my back. And I ended up leaving that, that ministry, that mission. And it, my health went bad, my blood pressure went up, like my fingernails cracked and, and split, and it, that was from stress. And so to get out of that situation, then my health improved. And so I can see what he means by, you know, you've got a, it could be a person, it could be a situation, but, so I could relate. But getting out of it, well, then my health improved. Right. So, yeah, so it affected you spiritually, mentally, and physically, and yeah. you've been through a lot of physical ailments, yeah. I know, over the years. So uh, uh, I can't think of anything other than I've had migraines since I was a teenager, but I don't know that you would call that a thorn in the flesh other than maybe it helps me to relate to people a little bit more with, with suffering and with compassion. Um, I think if, if you're really because have you had something you would think of as a thorn in the flesh? I think it has to be something purposeful that God is allowing to happen to somehow shape you or, you know, mold you for his purposes. And I'm not sure I can put a finger on that and say, well, I know that was a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, or that's just, you know, living in a fallen world, right? Because... Yeah, I mean, we've, we've had so many diseases, but we can't say that disease was a thorn in the flesh. It's just part of going to the mission field. You know you're going to get malaria. You know this is going to happen to you. So you can't blame everything that bad that happens. To you. Oh, that's my thorn in the flesh. That's from God. Some things just bad just happen to you. Right. Yeah, we just live in a fallen world and bad things happen. Sometimes though, we suffer because of the evil of others, others' choices. Um, you know, living in a fallen world, we have accidents. There's, you know, aging, we're falling apart, we're getting older, you know, and um, just all the, the physical things. But sometimes it's war, it's violence. It's because others have perpetrated something against you. Growing up, you know, you were over at my house as kids and you saw my dad in a wheelchair and how he was disabled because some teenager decided to drag race and hit him. So that, our family suffered because of that other person, wasn't, wasn't his fault. 
Sometimes we do suffer because of our own bad decisions, right? Now, you know my, my grandpa as well, good old Paul. Um, he had emphysema, right, because he smoked all those years. And so in some sense, he brought that on himself. He suffered because of his own uh, bad decisions. But whatever kind of adversity you might be going through, understand God can still use it for his glory. He can build you in some way. He can uh, use it as a training ground to help you become more like Christ. I, I don't know, but through problems and suffering, we learn to be more reliant on him and less self-reliant and prideful and independent and all those things. So in Paul's case, he was trying to do ministry. Why didn't God take it away from him? Well, that's a good question. He didn't know. He asked God to take it away from him, and he didn't. So specifically, he said, it must be to keep me from being conceited. I mean, here I'm having all these revelations. I'm having all these visions. I can do all these miracles. And that would be pretty easy to let go to your head, get puffed up and big-headed about that stuff. So God humbled him. Like, you ever know anybody that they need to be taken down a notch, right? They need to be humbled a little bit, a little bit too big for their britches, right? Uh, that's a Hoosierism for us, right? Does, do we say that in Michigan? Too big for their britches? Okay. We all know people like that. Um, if, if Paul had let it go to his head, it could have ruined his ministry, right? Because God hates pride. Um, but I don't know, we, we, modern Christians, we talk about this around here, this whole name and claim it, prosperity, health, and wealth gospel, that God wants you to ha have money and have health all the time, and there's something wrong with you if you don't. To understand that's, that's nonsense, that's foolish, that's ridiculousness. In the Old Testament, God had a covenant with the Jewish people, which was very physical and material. He said, if you obey my laws, then I will bless you with all these wonderful material, physical things. And if you don't obey me, then physical curses and material curses. But... That's not the case in the New Testament. Jesus brought a different, better covenant. And never once are we promised or guaranteed that we will not go through suffering. In fact, we're told we will suffer at times. And think about Paul. He could have instantaneously healed anybody, right? And yet he suffered. He said, my, my associate Timothy, he's got stomach ailments. He didn't heal him. Epaphroditus almost died. He didn't heal him. So Christians, we should not be under any kind of delusion or false guilt, there's something wrong with me if I'm suffering. God allows that to happen. So uh, we probably need to keep going. Verses eight and nine. Yeah, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Yeah, so he's saying, uh, my grace is enough. It's all you need, and which is very hard to believe. It's difficult when you're in suffering, like, all I need is God's grace, because you're like, I need some drugs. You know, I, I, need, I need some surgery. I need something. But what an attitude that Paul said, you know, once I understood that um, this is it, this is the way it's going to be, then I, I, can, I can be okay with that. God said, no, I'm not going to take it away, uh, so I'll, I'll let it happen. And instead of focusing on my problem, my handicap, my disability, I will focus on God's gift. And so Christ's strength is moving in my weakness. But is there any significance or like a special spiritual formula about praying only three times? <laughs> yeah. um, I don't think so. I mean, Jesus told us in the, in the parable of the persistent widow, like, keep praying, don't give up. But um, Paul stopped after three times. So why did he stop? I guess he got the answer. Right, right, God said no. So now we don't get that, right? Unless God audibly tells you no, I'm not going to give you what you're asking for. We should keep praying. Don't give up. Pray for big things. Um, 
God can work slowly over time through medicines. He can work immediately through miracles. Um, Jesus prayed, right, that you would remove my cup of suffering, and God did not. So just because your prayer doesn't get answered doesn't mean you're inferior in some way because Jesus got a no on that too. Nobody wants to live in pain and we certainly can't understand why we're suffering right now, which is one of my favorite stories. And you guys have probably heard me tell this before about this guy who walks into one of those Pier 1 kind of stores, beautiful stuff from around the world, exotic. And there's this tapestry hanging from the ceiling, but it's just a tangled mass jumble of threads. And it's horrible. Salesman comes around and, and the man says, why are you selling such an ugly rug? And the salesman says, oh, you're, you're looking at the wrong side. Come around here to the front. And there he saw the beautiful pattern in this tapestry. And the point is, we're often living on the underside of the tapestry. All we see is the mass jumble that doesn't make sense and looks terrible. But God says, hold on, wait. Come around to the other side and see the beautiful tapestry I'm weaving in your life. You may not get to see that until you cross over to the other side. Yeah, so we're in the midst of uh, terrible things happening in our lives. And we read my grace is sufficient. Well, what does that mean? How is God's grace sufficient in those times? Well, it's hard to describe other than the idea of grace is God's undeserved favor, which means he gives us what we don't deserve. Uh, it's a wonderful promise that we just got to hold on to and, and trust God's going to help me through this difficult time. He doesn't say, my promise is not that you won't go through a difficult time or suffering, but that I'll go through it with you and I'll get you through it to the other side. Now the promise is, like one day, the day is coming when all suffering will be alleviated, erased, but we ain't, we ain't there yet. But until then, he says, I, my grace is sufficient, which means he's got a lot of it, never going to run out of that abundant supply. And it can be for physical things, it could be for mental things, it can be for spiritual things. Most of all, though, we know grace is for our salvation, right? Jesus came and suffered in our place so that we would not have to suffer the consequences of our sin, you know, in, in temporary ways, in some ways, but certainly eternally. So, um, you know, I think we try to act strong, like I can get through this on my own, but we all have weaknesses. Some of them are very obvious to everybody. You have some sort of disability, but a lot of us are carrying around secret kinds of things nobody knows what you're suffering and again it could be physical struggles it could be mental struggles but don't be fooled by that ridiculousness that where you say okay you know uh, I, I can get through this I can handle this on my own with my own strength and wisdom and abilities that's nonsense um, you just got to understand and admit your own weaknesses because that's the only way God can help you um, he says my power is made perfect Made, made complete in your weakness. And I think that's just an ongoing thing. So um, weakness invites his strength. And you guys know too here in our church, we have one of our elders, Juan Pardo, that has been struggling with, you know, cancer for a while. He went through a surgery. You know, he had it, most of his tongue removed. And then uh, another surgery, they thought he was going to die that day. He had a 5% chance to make it through that surgery. So before he went in, he knew this was probably it. He was he was good to go. He was ready to be with the Lord. But he came through the surgery, awake, and he told me, I was mad. Uh, I didn't want to come back. I, I, I'm ready to go be with the Lord. But he went ahead and started chemotherapy to deal with his cancer, and it's just so excruciating for him. It's causing so many problems that uh, I'll, I'll let you guys know. He said I could let you know. He's, he says I'm not going to do any more chemo. And so they're saying he's got six months left. 
which is tough, right? Um, to, I mean, he's probably very mixed about that. Like Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I'm good and I'm ready to go. But, man, we want to keep praying for our brother Juan that he's able to overcome this, that he'll experience healing, if not through chemotherapy, then through some other way. Because when you go through suffering, right, there are different ways to handle it. Some people get very bitter and they begin to blame God and they turn away from God. And it's that time that you actually need to turn toward God all the more. Some people just give up and they fail to get any kind of blessing out of their experience. Other people just kind of grit their teeth and, you know, set their jaw and clench their fists and just say, I'm just going to muscle through this. And what happens is they miss out on that grace of the Lord, you know, that God's there to strengthen them in their time of need. I don't, I, I can't imagine going through what Juan and other people go through, but I'm not there yet. I don't need the grace until I'm in that situation. And I believe when it's time for you to receive the grace, God will give it to you. Not, not necessarily before and certainly not after. Anyway, let's, let's go on, verse 10. Yeah, he says, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Yeah, so again, he's not really boasting at all here. He is admitting his weaknesses, that he is vulnerable. And I think about us in ministry who people look at those who are, you know, church leaders and, oh, Somebody ought to turn off their alarm. You know what that means? That means I'm supposed to stop the sermon right now. <laughs> Time's up. Because Brad's going to be speaking in a few minutes, and he's going to fill you in on his mission. So I'm just going to wrap it up by, by saying uh, we're, just like anybody else, we're vulnerable, we're weak, we need the Lord just like you do. So rely on him. You can face it, uh, whatever you're going through right now. Let God get the glory for whatever's happened in your life receive his strength. You, you don't have to be in good health to serve the Lord. You don't have to have barriers that will stop you from it. Um, rely on him. Again, I, I think of my son Tom who was suffering and I wanted to take that suffering away from him and suffer in his place and that's exactly what Jesus has done for each of us, right? As he came down, suffered the penalty of sin in our place, the consequences so that we wouldn't have to and that's what the cross is a symbol of. It's a symbol of weakness but it's also a symbol of victory, it's of strength and weakness. And so I want to make that invitation to you. Whatever stage of life you're in, whatever you're going through, God is there for you. Maybe you need to turn to him for the first time and receive that new life. You need to receive that forgiveness for what you've done. Let Jesus take your place on the cross. You don't have to suffer the consequences of your sin. You don't have to go to hell, whatever level it is. It's all miserable. You don't want to go there. You may get to go up in outer space one day like William said, but don't miss the third heaven. God is preparing it for you right now. So if you'd like to give your life to Christ, if you need prayer, if you need to talk to somebody, if you have questions, reach out to us right now. Text your name to the number you see on the screen or email us. Uh, somebody wants to be able to speak with you. In fact, right here after the service, uh, or actually during these next few moments, we're going to play some music for a couple minutes. You come up and talk to them, and they'll, they'll take you to another room where you can have some privacy and quiet. Pray. They can get you ready for your baptism. If you've never been baptized into Christ, you've never turned from your sin and, and truly committed yourself to Him, we're ready to baptize you today. Uh, we've got clothes and towels and robes and everything you need to begin that new life today. If you're already a believer, we're going to use these next couple of minutes as the music plays to share in communion. Because in communion, when we take the bread and we take the cup, they remind us 
of pain and suffering, right? That Jesus' body was broken on the cross and his blood was shed for our sins. As we share in communion, we recognize that it was his suffering that brought us healing, right? By his stripes, we are healed. Those stripes were the, the whips, you know, and the, and the floggings and the thorns in his head and the nails in his hand. Those are the stripes. And by them, we are healed. Not, not necessarily physically, more importantly, spiritually. So in communion, as you eat the bread and drink the cup, as a believer, uh, focus on what Jesus gave for you. Um, let's pray together. Father, we want to pray for those who are suffering in any way, for the, the adversity that they're going through. We pray for our brother Juan, that he would be healed. God, do it. Do an intervention, Lord. Anybody else who's going through something like that, we pray for your miraculous healing immediately or use medicine and, and frontline workers, anybody, God. But more important than that, we confess that we are weak, but you are strong. And we have to rely on you for every breath. God, life is so fragile. It's so frail. We could lose our health in a moment. And people would trade anything in the world to have good health. And yet there's something so much more invaluable than that, and that's our soul. What good will it be to have the whole world, to have, our, to have good health and lose our soul? And so, Father, we pray for people to make the best decision ever and give their souls to you, that they would experience uh, that healing that will bring them life, that will bring them to heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Pour it out abundantly now, and we thank you for its sufficiency. We pray that all in Jesus' name. Amen. So as the music plays, feel free to either come to the front to make a decision for Christ, to get prayer for whatever you're going through, or feel free to take communion now.